Before we get started with today's podcast, we'd like to ask returning listeners to leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast platform, iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you really enjoy it, share a link to this podcast with friends or family who would enjoy hearing our weekly discussions about basketball and basketball culture. Now, on to the show. Rock Chalk Jayhawk, welcome to the 19.9 podcast. I'm the Chucker, 19.9's resident historian, and we are thrilled to welcome former Kansas Hooper Jeff Hawkins to the show for another installment of Tales from the Bench. A 5'11 guard from Kansas City, Jayhawk, as he was conveniently known, was a five-year member of the Jayhawks program, where he went from redshirt freshman to senior starter. He was a member of two Final Four teams, including the 2003 Kansas squad that narrowly fell to Syracuse in the national title game. Hawkins joins us to share some of the richest memories of KU hoops, including the Jayhawks' memorable 2003 campaign, playing for Roy Williams and Bill Self, hooping in the fog, and hosting his own podcast on Kansas basketball. Kansas, of course, is one of the latest additions to the 1999 family, and we're digging right into the school's rich basketball history here on the pod just recently, my partners Aaron and Josh chatted with filmmaker Josh Swade about his quest to return James Naismith's original rules of basketball back to their rightful home in Lawrence, Kansas. That adventure, of course, was recounted in the 30 for 30 documentary, There's No Place Like Home. If you haven't checked out that pod, I hope you will. Here today, though, let's talk some early Kate, early 2000s KU hopes and welcome Jeff Hawkins into the show. Jeff, thanks for joining us here on the 199 podcast. Hey, uh, I just tell you, man, it feels weird saying that the early 2000s, man, before I, you know, that was uh, made me feel young. Now it makes me feel old to hear that, man. But thanks for having me on. It's a pleasure. Hey, man, you might be one of the uh, youngest guys I've interviewed. You know, like I talked to guys. Yeah, I've been blessed through this series. We've talked to guys from 85 Villanova, nice. 87 Syracuse, you know, so we go back quite a bit and, okay. you know, man. College basketball is rich history, and it's it's yeah. fun to dig in. So, well, I'll put my so, break. Uh, you know, with your career, man, you had uh, a solid career at Sumner Academy in Kansas City. Your first team All State, two state titles. Uh, tell us a little bit about how you ended up at KU to begin with. Uh well, you know, I I played a year round basketball growing up. You know, did that from Yay High, and you know, I was fortunate enough to get on a really good travel team. Um, Kansas City 76ers, Wayne Simeon actually played on that team as well, too. So, you know, I, at the end of the day, and Wayne knows, I always credit him because, you know, I played on I played on the Kansas City 76ers, and Wayne was recruited heavily, you know, by all major D1s. And, you know, for me to yeah. be able to play on that team and uh, be able to, you know, uh, ex- show what I could do on the court – I think that kind of, you know, helped KU to to, to take notice because they recruited Wayne. I think they've been re- recruiting Wayne since he was like in seventh grade. So, you know, I got with that squad my sophomore year and played solid. So, uh, you know, it was just a blessing just to be able to be in a, in a situation like that and not only to be uh, on that team. You know, I was coached by a former uh, guy that said uh, – a former coach that coached in Lafayette Norwood, rest in peace – who sat on the, the KU bench with, with Darnell Valentine as well, too, as a coach. So he was our he was our AAU coach. So, 
you know, it was just blessings on tops of blessings that that how I felt in, in the laps of KU. I mean, did you, you know, being from Kansas City, I mean, KU is, you know, the, the basketball mecca there. Were you always kind of hopeful that you can go to KU? Because that's the big time. Or were you recruited by some other schools? Or how did it kind of end up in that regard? It's funny, man, because I have my, I, you know, my parents, you know, we lived in Kansas City my whole life. But both of my parents are from Oklahoma, small town Oklahoma. So they're more Oklahoma Sooner, Sooners, Oklahoma State. You know, that was that's more what they talked about. So I really didn't start catching wind of, you know, KU until I was like sixth, seventh grade. That's when I – or like 1992. So when I was about 10, almost fifth grade, sixth grade, that's when I really started catching wind. But the school I really, really, really wanted to go to was UCLA. So Earl Watson, uh, you, know, I, you know, I call him a mentor, big brother to me. He and my brother played on the same AU team. I've known Earl my whole life. I've grown up watching him. So I always looked up to, to Earl as a as this is who I want to be. This is the footsteps I want to follow in. So he went to UCLA. They started recruiting me for a little bit as well, too. So I had all my, my dibs on, on UCLA, and it, it just kind of worked out that, uh, you know, KU, you know, stuck with me and, and to the end, and that's kind of where I ended. That's awesome, man. And so you you get there in your freshman year, you redshirt. That's the 2001-2002 season. That's a season in which Kansas runs the table in the Big 12. They go 16 and 0. They make it to the Final 4. It's a great season in, in school history, 33 and 4. You got six pros on that squad. So that not playing around. That's a lot of talent, you know. Drew Good and Nick Collison, Kirk Heinrich. So though you're redshirting, you're practicing and traveling with the team. That's your, you know, your introduction to big time um, college hoops. So what was that first season like for you and that transition like into, you know, big 12 basketball and at KU specifically with some real talent, man? You know, it was, you know, I'm not going to lie. You know, it was tough, you know, especially when you, you come from a high school, you said, you know, all state, you know, won two state champions, (laughs) you know, and now you're, you know, coming and you're not even getting to play this next year. So, you know, being able to fight through that mentally, you know, that was always a challenge, but, you know, something that, you know, always took on and had good mentors with like Jared Hass, who, who redshirted. Uh, he would always talk to me about the importance of, of not taking a year off and trying to get better. So, you know, you know, having guys in my ears and, uh, during that way allowed me to, to, to kind of mentally push through it. But it was a, it was a cool year, man, because, you know, I, I didn't have the pressure of playing. So, uh, in practice, you know, I could I could do a, a couple other things that maybe some other players didn't because coach knew at the end of the day I wasn't playing, so I probably wouldn't get yelled at yelled at as much. So it was good just being able to learn, learn the system, see kind of how physically strong you have to be. Again, you said six pros on that team, so I'm going up every day against those guys, uh, helping those guys try to get ready for the game. The guys that play a majority of the minutes, so it was nothing but. Nothing but fun times, man. Nothing but fun times and something that I'll always appreciate. Yeah. And, you know, during that that freshman year, um, you know, you mentioned you go from kind of being, you know, a real standout high school player, and then you're you're not even playing in the games, you know, that freshman year. And, did, and again, with all the talent on that team, did you have a moment in that first year where you said, yo, man, I, I don't know if I'm cut out for this? Or did that redshirt year seem to really kind of strengthen your resolve? Yeah, uh, I think it strengthened it. I mean, you know, you could 
not from a team, you know, uh, you know, we practice so much, we did everything together. So we're competing, we're, we're playing together. So you feel, man, I can play. It's like, to me, it was like when I started seeing like other, like we started playing other opponents and I'm sitting on them, like mentally I'm like, now if coach just said, go get your uniform and go check in, would I be ready to run the offense the way, you know, and, you know, at that time, like early in the season, I'm like, uh, ooh, I'm kind of liking this red shirt year, you know, give me a, give me a year. I'm liking it better than what I thought it was going to turn out to be because I get a chance to, to really sit back. But again, it's one of those deals to where I really felt like going in, if, if my red shirt would have got pulled, I would be ready to play. So I always tried to have that mindset. I think that really allowed me, you know, from being so successful in high school, um, kind of allowed me not to just lay down and say, all right, take it easy, you know, take it easy, put it in cruise. It allowed me to try to at least keep pushing forward. Yeah. And especially, like I said, man, that's that's a big time season going 16-0 in the Big 12, yeah. Final Four run. What memories stick out for you from that first season in the program? Uh, to me, it was just probably like, you know, we were all so close together. Like we did everything together. Um, even like, you know, like, because we come in as a freshman, we come in as freshmen with Wayne, Keith, uh, Aaron, Mike, you know, we come in this big goofy crowd, like bringing a lot of ton of energy. We like to have water balloon fights, knock on the upperclassmen door and run doing all that little crazy stuff. But we, but the upperclassmen, like we hung out with them, like with Drew Gooden, Kirk, Nick, like they all took us in. A lot of us had visits when we were on our visits. They were, that, those were the guys that hosted us. So we felt home. But we really hung out and we did a lot of stuff together as a team. So that's like when I think back at, at the, the, the success, it just really makes me think about how tight niche of a team we were. We always had each other back no matter what. But that and obviously the winning 16-0, final four, you know, obviously that's kind of the icing on the cake. But I really think, you know, yeah. us being together and so close is what really allowed us to accomplish what we did. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's hop forward to into the 2002-2003 season, which is really where we're going to spend a lot of time here. Um, Gooden is off to the NBA, yeah. but Heinrich and Collison return. You guys are preseason number two. Again, you're coming off this Final Four run. I want to get a sense just of that 2002-2003 season. What were the expectations for that group internally? Because we see, okay, externally, you guys are preseason number two. A lot's expected of you. But internally, what did you guys – what did you guys feel you guys could do that year? Well, win it all. I mean, obviously, you know, obviously losing Drew, we're like, man, we're losing Drew. But again, we got a young Keith Langford that's ready to step into his role even more. Uh, Wayne Simeon as well, too, who's already proven that, you know, he could play at a high level. And then you got a Jeff Graves who's coming in from, from Juco ready to, to try to fill some of that void. So you have some guys that can really kind of help and, and, and patch together what we missed from Drew. And not only Drew, but Jeff Boshi from, from three. But when you have Kirk and Nick, and you know you got those two guys, no matter what, that's going to lead your team, you know that you got an opportunity to win it all. And that's the way we, you know, came in. You know, we had a goal of that year before when we lost to Maryland. I mean, I remember it vivid. It was, you know, make it – it was just get to the final four. Like that was a get to the final four. And, you know, we end up, you know, losing to Maryland, didn't get to the championship game. 
So we tried to, you know, say, hey, we're, we're, we want to win it all. You know, we don't want to just get to the final four. We want to not only get to the final four, but we want to win it all. So that was our that was our end goal. Like we knew we have the squad that can definitely compete at a high level if we continue to stay together and obviously cho- trust in what Coach William and his staff puts together for us every day. And so you guys, you guys have these expectations and, and certainly believe you're a Final Four caliber team. Um, but interestingly, you guys actually start the season three and three. You got yeah. losses to UNC, yeah. uh, Oregon, yeah. and Florida. Yeah. Your wins are against Holy Cross, yeah. UNC Greensboro, and Central Missouri. Yeah. So at that point, at least six games into the season, that is not a tournament-worthy resume at that point. So yeah. did that did that phase that group at all? Did that shake the confidence? Or is it like, hey, man, these are just jitters. We're going to keep rolling forward. What was kind of the vibe of that team after kind of a little bit of a rough start? Yeah, it was Yeah, it was one of those, like, we knew internally, like, we're fine. And at that, at that point, again, like you talked about, you know, losing Drew Gooden. So now, like, you know, the way Coach, Coach Williams worked is, you know, you know that those first probably that those first five games, even including those those exhibition games, that's when he's trying to figure out his rotation. I maybe give him six games. I maybe give him six games. He's trying to figure out that 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 rotation. Is it going to be a seven man rotation, eight man rotation? What's going to be my guys that are playing majority of the the minutes? So he he's trying to figure that out. And you know, obviously, that's in that little three game. I mean, that uh, six game stretch. And obviously, we were playing in a pretty good tournament against some really good opponents, you know? So uh, it just, you know, it, it kind of goes both ways, you know, you know, the, we were kind of in those games and they kind of slipped away from us. So, you know, we could look at it like, man, we could have, you know, either with one and three out of those two and three, or maybe go oh, uh, three and three. We just happened to go oh and three, but we still got a great team. We're still doing the right things. We still believe in each other. We're just in a rough, we just hit a rough patch We'll make we'll make adjustments. We'll get better. And obviously, after that Oregon game, uh, that's when uh, Mike Lee came in at the four, uh, and then that's when they kind of find that found that rotation after that, and we moved forward. And then we just yeah. kind of clicked it and, and kind of went going. But we didn't doubt. Yeah. We were as players, if anything, sick because you know they had a free for all at our school to where kids can just get in the newspaper, call in, and they would print any comment they say. So we're we're hearing those comments. We're hearing other fans that you know think our season's done. So we were just annoyed, just like man, we're good. Like we're not. We were literally like we got Kirk and Nick. We're good. We're good. Trust me. And we got Coach Wood. We're fine. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. You just kind of like snapped your fingers and like, yeah, we we hit our groove. Um, and you guys obviously did. You finished twenty four and six. I'm curious about what was a key moment or two during that season that gave you guys momentum, confidence, strength. So as you look back on that season, you were like, man, that was a turning point. That was a turning point. Um, what kind of really solidified that team and allowed it to go on this great run and finish the season, to finish the regular season, that is 24 and six. Man, I think, I think it was, you know, when, when we, when we had the, that three game losing streak against the, 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 some of those top schools, you know, UNC, Arizona, uh, and, uh, um, well, UNC, Oregon, and Florida. Florida the first three, yeah. yeah. When we had those three games, like that was to me. I thought that was our turning point for that season because of what we were kind of going through. Like we knew we were in a down patch, but we knew we were going to kind of get out of that down patch. But to me, that's where our season turned around because we had all the fans. Oh, there's no doubt that man, 
They can't repeat. They can't get there. And then obviously we start clicking. We we start winning. We start getting our groove. And obviously uh, playing some Holy Cross, we play some teams that wasn't as tough. But again, at KU, we expect to play the the best. We want to play the best. We want the we want to get out there and have the toughest schedule. You look at Coach Self, what he's doing now. Strength of schedule is huge. Gets you prepared for the end game uh, uh, and, and, and the tournament run. So we kind of knew that, but I really think our pivoted moment was when we had to fight through that adversity early because once we got through it, it was just kind of nothing else could stop us type deal. We can get through anything. And, you know, a question I love asking guys is um, who was kind of the engine of that team? Who kind of made it go? It's a very memorable team. You know, guys, guys remember that Kansas squad. College basketball fans, uh, you know, it, it's it's one that they can kind of go to and rattle off some guys who are on that team. But from your perspective, who was the engine of that team? Who made it go? Uh, you know, it's I, you always hear Kirk and Nick. Like, I mean, they they both made that thing go. Like, sometimes we'd be feeding off of the energy from Kirk because he's pissed because of you know how we played in in the first half or. You know, Coach Williams mad because we're pissed. And now, like, that's the, that's the thing about Kirk and Nick, man. That's the cool thing about them. Like, most coaches, you know, they get on their players at halftime or whatnot, and some players might buckle down. But we we as players knew we were about to get – if we didn't play good, we're about to go. Uh-oh, Coach is about to light us up. And then we knew as players, after Coach lights us up and leaves, now we're about to get lit up by Kirk and Nick. Not Maybe at the same time or maybe just one. So – they both kind of – they both – I feel like they both had their foot on the pedal at the same time. And every now and then, Kirk would be like, okay, Nick, you can drive, I'll ride. And then they would just switch. But every – sometimes they would hope both have to be like, all right, Nick would have some special and he'd be like, hey, I got an extra pedal right here on my side. You keep yours and we're going to push this thing together. So they they just kind of – it was Kirk and Nick, man. They, they drove that team. They made us go. Yeah. And you know, those are actually two names. A lot of college bass, a little little man in the shot. There we go. Yeah, he's, yeah. <laughs> so um, the uh, yeah, bring him up. You're like Chris Paul here. You know, <laughs> we're loving life. How's it going? You, uh, we talked about uh, Kirk and Nick being kind of the engine of that team. Those, those two names, a lot of college basketball fans know. Who was the unsung hero of that team? Maybe someone a little bit more behind the scenes, yeah. or maybe someone maybe not as well known, or wasn't one of the stars, but. They were one that sometimes maybe brought it all together. Yeah, that would that would be Keith Langford. That'd be Keith Langford. Um, you know, you talk about the, the your Kirks and your your Nick Hollisons that year, but we knew Keith Keith Langford, man, and still to this day, one of my all time greatest players that I that, that I've played around with because Keith could always get his shot, had the quickest first step, not only the quickest first step, but the longest quickest first step. So it was just always tough. But Keith was that guy that we always knew. You give it to him on the wing, he's going to get to the rim and get to the bucket because he's a lefty as well, too. And he can knock down the open three as well, too. And guard the best players, uh, the best the, the opposing player's best player. Gotcha. So let's kind of then jump into the tourney. You guys are a, a two seed in the tourney. You guys take down Utah State, Arizona State. You get Duke in the Sweet 16. We got two of the, the basketball blue bloods going at us, at, going at it. Collison has a great game, goes 33-19, and 19, and KU moves on. What do you recall about that Duke game specifically? Ah, uh, the Duke game. 
You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm most pretty, people, most guys I talk to love beating Duke, you know, yeah, I'm a Duke fan myself, but most of guys course. love beating Duke. Yeah, we, we do. But you know what? I, I'm going to try to take the, you know, I know Nick had the, the 32, I'm, I'm going to have to steal a little spotlight on that because coach Williams gave me that. He pulled me aside uh, before, before we even got on the bus to go to practice and said, Hey, because normally, you know, he'd get on me because I was getting minutes that year, so I got to still play the right way. I can't take bad shots. Everything I have to do is smart, you know, when I'm playing on the other the, on the on the the blue team. That was a team where uh, the majority of guys played the the minutes. Uh, so he pulled me aside before and it's like, "Hey, uh, you're gonna be on when you're on the red team." Because normally, if I'm on the red team, sometimes the other red team they can just come down and take bad shots. Well, I couldn't do that because I was expected to play blue team play minutes if they needed me in the game. So I got to be smart. So I'm like, geez, I can't take this bad shot. He's over here taking these bad shots, not getting yelled at. So he pulls me aside before the uh, before we leave to go to practice. He says, hey, you're going to be on, when you're on the red team this year, a scout team, you're going to be Chris Duhon. And just shoot any shot that you want to. And I'm looking at him like, <laughs> like he said, if you come past half court and you feel like you feel like you need to shoot it, just go ahead and shoot it. So I'm just like, oh, okay. So literally that practice, you know, I'm like, I'm in a whole nother mindset. Like, ooh, Coach Williams just took the, he just unleashed me. The the, the shackles are off. The shackles are off. I can do whatever I want in practice when we start scrimmaging. And literally that's to my day probably one of the best practices I ever had. Because I'll just come up pulling up, hitting deep. So I want to always say I got all those guys prepared because Coach We I really feel like I think I probably had like 35 in practice in that little setting, pulling up three, getting to the rim. Cause he just let me do whatever I want. I want to take credit for that and say that I got those. Good for guys. you, man. Collison <laughs> can claim all the fame, 13, 33 yeah. and 19 against Duke. Well, really it was you in yeah, practice right before. But no, you know, man, Nick, man, he's a Nick's a stud, man. Like I've always loved Nick because I thought he was ahead of his time as a player because he could put the ball on the floor. He could run the floor. He could he could uh, hit the open shot, shoot off the catch, shoot off the dribble. Obviously, he could play down low in the post as well, too, and was very effective. So Nick was just very versatile. Um, and, you know, seeing him go off for 32 didn't never surprise us. He yeah. could have done it more often if he wanted to. Yeah. And, you know, after beating Duke, you guys got next up. You got Arizona with a spot for the Final Four on the line and, and a return to the Final Four for you guys. Man, there's some firepower on that floor. Not only what you guys got, but then Arizona's coming in with Jason Gardner, Luke Walton, Channing Fry, Andre Iguodala. This is those dudes ain't to be played with, you know. And Heinrich must have. I, I look at that the box score in preparation for this. I'm thinking, man, that dude must have the ultimate green light because he jacks up yeah. 17 threes. Yeah, he was like pre Steph Curry, Curry. So yeah. that game is tight throughout, but you guys pull it out 78 75. Besides Heinrich jacking up threes all over the place, what sticks out about that game against Arizona and that and that you know, trip back to the Final Four? Yeah, it's always that last play. You know, they, they had a shot to win it, you know, and, and Kirk had a, a a great defensive play against Jason Gardner. Um, but, you know, that 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 Arizona, that wasn't just the first time we saw them that year. You know, we saw them at the field house, and it was crazy, you know, and that's why this game meant so much to us that we had to beat them. We, we had to beat them, and we knew no matter what, it was going to be a tight game because when we had them at the field house, we had them down 20 points at halftime. 
we had them down 20 points at halftime. So we're like, what? We I mean, literally like we're not like this in a in, in a locker room, like hype, almost like we got this win, fellas. This is a great Arizona team, and we're putting a whooping on them in our house. Well, come second half, they come back, and Salim Stoudemire just he I don't know how I forget how many he had. He it was over 40, I believe. Just goes off, goes off in the second half. They end up beating us by 20 points. So, so we already knew it was gonna be like this is gonna be a fight. This is gonna be a fight. So, and, and it came down to a, de- a de- defensive possession at the end. And to me, that's what stuck out because it was back and forth. We're going to run, boom, they going to run. Yeah. We cut the lead. They like it was. It was back and forth, and it came down to the wire on a on a on a great defensive stop by Kirk, and you know they had a shot. I mean, he had a good look, and it, it could have failed. And obviously, you know, we 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 were able to go to the final four, so that was really a, a good feeling for those guys and, and the team. Yeah, absolutely, man. You know, that's that's a second consecutive final four for the Jayhawks, and and I'm curious from your perspective, what was different about heading down to new Orleans in 2003 compared to the previous season in Atlanta, when you guys actually fell to Maryland, which we mentioned earlier, what was different about this second trip to the final four compared to the first? Ah, uh, shoot. Ah, uh, man. It was, I mean, if you could just see like how I'm smiling right now, it's just like, Jesus, <laughs> like so much, like it was just like, I don't know, man. Like, describing the feeling is, is crazy because it was just like everything was so much better. Um, and obviously, you know, we knew, all right, we, we got to the final four. We've been there, you know, pretty much we were, you know, one of the favorites to, to win it, but everything just seemed a little bit different because we were just there the last year. So we were kind of coming in like, all right, we know how things are going to work. Security was a little bit crazier. In our first game, I think uh, uh, we got, I mean, just having the police escorts to practice, I mean, like everything was just magnified to a whole nother level. Um, Just the fans, you know, I mean, it's just a great experience when you can get to the final four. It's it's really an unbelievable feeling. I mean, you know, obviously every team goes there to try to win it, but being there back to back is, it's a, it's a crazy feeling. It's a crazy feeling that, something that I always cherish for the rest of my life, but it was, it was, it was just different in so many ways because everything was just amped up a little bit more because we saw how it was the year before and it was already amped up because it was the final four, but we were here for a second time. So things were just a little bit more magnitude, uh, just on a little bit more of a, a bigger yeah. but great memories, man. Yeah. Oh, we should all be able to go to final fours. Yeah. Uh, so I wish the whole guys- world experienced that. Yeah, you know, you guys, uh, you guys face Marquette and Dwayne Wade, um, and Dwayne Wade, you know, one of the greatest basketball performances, probably the 21st century. He just takes it to Kentucky to get to the final four, bring Marquette into the final four, drops a triple, triple double on the Wildcats national title game spot on the line against Marquette. And you guys smack them. I mean, you guys hang 59 on Marquette in the first half. You win 94, 61. What went so well in that game? Man, just every – I mean, everything was kicking. I think uh, I'd have to I go mean, if you're sitting there watching that, are you like, my yeah. God, I can't believe we're smacking someone like this in the final yeah. four? Yeah, well, you know me. I'm like, well, like I said, like the minutes I got, like I – you know, I, I got minutes, you know, I would sub in for Aaron to give him breaks or, you know, quick boom, boom, boom. You know, um, 
that would be – I knew I would get in at some point in time in the game to relieve Aaron, to give him a quick breather so he can get back in after a TV timeout. I kind of knew when I was going in with, with Coach Williams. That's kind of how he was. You knew when you were going in. So in the first half, I'm looking like, whoa. I was like, man, I might get like 10 whole minutes in this in the final <laughs> Like the way the game's going, I'm just sitting there like, man, but everything was clicking. Like, I mean, everything, everything was clicking. Uh, I mean, when, when we got – you know, Aaron Miles is obviously known for breaking down his defenders, creating plays. Um, but I think A. Miles was hitting threes. Everybody was just – everything was clicking. I mean, I, I, that's all I can say. We played that national championship game like that. Everything was clicking. Like, there's nothing that could stop us that night. And obviously we were playing against a, a, a Dwayne Wade, a great Dwayne Wade, who when we first saw him on – Scout report. I mean, all their all the Marquette clips that we watched were, you know, it was ah, oh, this player can do this, this player can do that. And then like the 90% of the rest of the clips were Dwayne Wade. And we're just looking at all of the clips, and I'm like, this dude looks like a mini Michael Jordan just like running down the court, just huh, dunk here, steal here, shot here, fade away. I'm like, oh man. So we came in the game like, oh man. This is gonna be a good game, and obviously, you know, um, we were able to to counter some things on our end and and be able to shut him down and and and, and be able to have that that type of a, a lead and a win and get a win. Yeah, you know, it's always great when you have those games where man, the ball just goes in the hoop constantly. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's in it, and so you guys are opposite Syracuse for the national title. Um, I'm curious, you know, we talked about that Duke game. Uh, and what stands out for you about the Duke game is not the actual game. It's you getting the green, the green light in practice. So as you guys kind of, you know, you got this Saturday win against Marquette, Monday is the national title game. What stands out in the lead up to that national title game? Was there something the day before, a walkthrough, a dinner, maybe the locker room before tip-off? What, what just kind of sticks in your mind is something you'll kind of never forget from kind of the, the lead up to that national title game? Uh, whew. I mean, I just, from what I remember, man, like, and to be honest, that's a really great question because I really never had to kind of tap in, never had a question like that, you know, the mood on, on that. I've had so many questions about all my Final Four trips. That, I mean, I've never had that one, so this is kind of getting me thinking. But, you know, our mood was, you know, it was just kind of lax. You know, we kind of – Maybe you could say two lakhs. You we maybe thought like, man, this is, man, this is ours. It's, it's ours to lose type. You know, that's kind of the, that's kind of the feeling that we had. Like it's ours to lose. Like and, um, I mean that's to me what really sticks out because there was no 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 added pressure. You know, we really felt like you know we we should have been in this situation even from when we you know started out in that that three game losing streak. You know, we said, you know, we still thought this is the, the spot that we're supposed to be in. Yeah. And we were just, everybody was laser focused, still laser focused, but just in a lax mood, just like, you know, we, this is, we can, we can see that it's right here. Yeah. And I got to imagine you went in the game with kind of real strong confidence coming off that Marquette game too. So, yeah, you know, we've had uh, two others join us on the 199 podcast, Jason Andreas from Michigan State and David Nelson from Georgia Tech. And the one question I love asking guys is, hey, tell me about a guy that an opponent you would play and you looked at and were like, yo, man, that dude is from another planet. Like, that dude is yeah. sick. 
And both of them without hesitation said Carmelo. Yeah. Did you see it too? Yeah. Did you have that feeling like, man, this dude I mean, is from another planet? Or were you like, no, that's a good ball player, but I've seen better. Or was it like, yeah, no, man, I mean, that dude's something you know, different. Yeah, Carmelo's Carmelo, man. Like, I mean, Hall of Famer, All-Star, stud. But to me, to me, it was Dwayne Wade. Like, to me, it was Dwayne Wade. Like, when we saw this dude in film, like I told you, it's like, it was just like, man, this dude looking like my IMJ. Like, his mannerisms, the way he was moving, and he was like his, he was doing fadeaways. Smooth, I mean, man. Yeah. yeah, it was very smooth. So it was just like, man, this dude right here. But then you see a young, but again, this is a young Carmelo Anthony. Young Carmelo, fearless, fearless Carmelo Anthony, just like, this Carmelo was the guy that I mean he was carrying himself as if he was as if he was a senior or even a fifth year senior like Carmelo that's the way he carried himself so you just knew like man this 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 guy can hoop he can go inside outside he can hit you with the three ball like he can do it all he can do it all so but to me it was it was it was just Dwayne Wade no knock to to uh to Melo but don't get me wrong Melo's right up there too like. Trust me, game changer. Well, I gotta imagine some of the clips you were seeing of Wade were from that Kentucky game, which yeah. was, I mean, just an all-time individual effort, man. I mean, yeah, Wade, Chicago's very own, where the Chuckers yeah, from, and for sure, yeah, he's sweet. For sure. And so that's um, you know that that game against Cuse, man, that is a memorable game for college basketball fans. The Orange jump out on you guys; they're up fifty-three forty-two at the half. But ironically, it's not Melo that's the star of that first half. It's another freshman named Jerry McNamara. Yeah. So take us into that halftime locker room. Um, you guys, you thought you you guys could win the national title. You believed you could win the national title. You're down nine at the or eleven at the half. What was that locker room like? What do you recall about that locker room? It was uh, it was just it was just a, a whole different type of focus, you know, um, just like. From a mindset where, like, man, like, you can see it. We're like, dude, if we don't step it up, we're going to lose this game type deal. And, like, we're done. And not only are we done, not not like we just lost in the, the Sweet 16, trying to make it to the Sweet 16, second round, even in the Final Four. Like, this is for it all right now. It's like, is this, is how, is this how we're trying to go out type deal? Like, it was a real quiet locker room. It was a it was a real quiet locker room, you know. But you could see the focus on on everybody, you know. Obviously, you know Kirk and Nick, you know they're gonna say some things. There's some guys mumble jumbling some things, um, but for the for the most part, you know it was man, we're we're almost like we're sitting there just waiting for Coach Williams to come in and figure out what we gotta do as players. Almost like we're just players sitting in there, like all right, we gotta wait for our coach to see what what the next game plan, and then we're ready to dive in and execute it to whatever it's like as players we're just like okay what do you got for us coach type deal so and that's a good point does Williams come in with like fire and brimstone or is he like hey boys this is what we're gonna do and is it very kind of um you know just kind of shouting out some directives that he knows that here's what we need to do we execute this we're gonna be fine or was it what the hell are you guys doing let's go you know what what do you recall about his demeanor yeah you know from what I recall obviously it was you know his demeanor was his demeanor was uh, more mellow. Trust me, I've been in some 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 locker rooms when they haven't been. But you know his his 
it was it was more like, hey guys, we we kind of put ourselves in a situation, read the you know reading stats, you know, figuring out what we got to do better, and like, hey, it's, it's going out there, you know. I think that's the cool thing about Coach Coach uh, Williams, you know, his ability to adapt um, in game situations on the fly, and you know, he could care, he could tell right now at that time. Probably not the time to, you know, really just start beating up on guys. Obviously, you know, hey, we got to go. You know, we know we got to go, but he's not he's not really getting on, on guys too, too, too hard right then because he knows he needs everybody together and mentally strong to get to get through this, especially in a national championship game. Yeah. And, you know, Cuse, you know, after being up 11 at the half, they maintain a kind of comfy lead. Uh, they're up 12 with five minutes to go. So, I mean, they're, they've kind of taken, they've kind of yeah. seeded control of this game. They, they got it. But you guys kind of claw back in and you cut it to three with a minute to go. And Cuse really seemed to be kind of backpedaling. They're reeling, man. As you are sitting there, Jeff Hawkins, Jayhawk, what are you thinking? Like, yeah, we got this. I mean, what, or are you thinking like, all right, we're almost there. Are you nervous? Are you excited? Just what do you, what are your feelings sitting there watching this all unfold in front of you? and being a really vested player in this, you know? Well, you know, at that time, you know, you got, we have, at that time, we're, you know, you said being, being down 12 or five minutes, you just like, man, in a national championship game against a great team, um, you know, at that time on the bench, you're just like, man, you're just like, man, I hope we got this. I hope we got this. I hope we got this. We can do it. We can do it. We can do it. And then the lead stars obviously getting a little bit closer. Then you're just like, yeah, man, like, now that's what we're talking about. We got this. We got this. And obviously, it, you know, it went down to the it went down to the wire. We had two shots at the end to to you know try to get a uh, try to tie for for overtime. And um, you know, it, it it was just one of those deals where we're like, man, we we're gonna have another shot once we get our shot, the shot that we've been looking for. We're gonna take it and just run with it. And we just couldn't get over. We couldn't get over that hump. You know, and obviously so, everyone, you know, free throws, free throws killed us that game. Free throws killed us. Yeah, that. yeah, free throws did kill you guys. Free throws and turnovers. <laughs> yeah. I got to imagine that that really eats at a lot of you guys because you know you were better than that. You know, and oh, yeah. it's sometimes man, the basketball can be a oh yeah a game that brings so much love and it can bring a lot of pain too, as we well know. So right. one of the you know, the most memorable play in that game. Um, you guys have a chance to tie the game at 81 in the closing seconds. Your teammate, Michael Lee, rises for a three in the left corner. Hakeem Warwick has two feet in the paint when Heinrich makes a pass. And he comes sprinting out, and he rises and blocks Lee's three-pointer, blocks it out of bounds. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really one of the, probably one of the all-time great defensive plays in championship game history. Yeah. And I would imagine, you know, I know you're a high school coach now. I mean – if you put on the clip of that and say that is effort right there, man, that, you know, it, it, it just, when you think about the closing moments of that game, how close you were, how you, you really believe like, man, we, we, we just need a shot. We're going to be there. But then you think of the aftermath of that game, a very disappointing loss, a very heart wrenching loss. What, what sticks out about the immediate aftermath of that game? Um, you know, for one, you know, after we, I just remember after we lost the game, you always know, go back to the locker room, you know, because Drew Gooden, obviously he was in the league. So he comes back, he's at the game. And, you know, we're all just in the locker room sitting and, you know, you know, Coach Williams is talking and, you know, Drew comes in. And then Drew's just like breaking down, crying. And we're just thinking like, dang, man, you're not even, you didn't even play this year. You in the league. 
And then once we saw everybody saw saw Drew crying and Drew just going around like giving everybody hugs, like I'm sorry, y'all. Like, like he was actually playing, and then everybody just everybody just broke down. Like the whole locker room just broke down, broke down from there. But you know, then it sucked, but you know, when you look back, you look back on it. Obviously, you 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 wish you could replay it, and the outcome was different. But I mean, it just goes to show you, man. Whenever you, whenever you're, whenever you you always have to live in the moment, and you always have to take advantage of the moment because I guarantee you, every one of those players, every one of those managers, every one of those coaches, it can go back and say, "Wow, I probably could have done this a little bit more. Maybe I could have stayed up." Uh, extra 30 more minutes to, to grade film or to watch film. Players, I could have, you know, stayed extra five minutes after practice, before practice type deal to do something. You know, so we can all go back and look and wish that we, you know, did a little bit more, uh, maybe worked on our free throws or something like that, you know, type deal. So, uh, but when you look back at it, you know, you just appreciate that that you were able to, to, to get that far and experience it. Yeah, yeah, and it's, yeah, you know, sometimes we can learn, as you well know, obviously being a coach now too, you can, there's some great lessons we can get from losses. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's sometimes tough to go through, man, but it's, it's important for us and it's part of, uh, part of life. So I talked about Akeem Warwick's play being one of the most memorable defensive plays. I mean, it's, it's, it's a badass play, Yeah. but after the game, there's also one of the most memorable post-game interviews, which I don't know how much you guys even knew about, but there were all these rumors circulating about coach Williams going to yeah. Uh, North Carolina, and he's interviewed after the game, the the kind of the customary, uh, you know, runner-up interview that they do in the hallway, and he's asked about the North Carolina job on national TV, and he says, I could give a flip about North Carolina, yeah. about all that chatter, and so he, of course, um, takes the North Carolina job, though, soon after, and Bill Self comes to Kansas from Illinois. Now, you played your final three years under Coach Self, so two under Williams, then the final three under Self. How would you two pretty notable figures in the game? How would you compare and contrast those two? Uh, at the time, you know, at the time they were more to me night and day. Yeah, I think over time, you know, I think you know, Coach Self maybe adapted to a more of a what Coach some of the things I liked what Coach Self or Coach Williams did, and vice versa because of how the game just evolved. But they were night and day at the time, you know. Coach Williams, man, he 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 was very big on making sure that we took it serious as players to make sure we're the number one team in the nation as far as scoring. So he took that serious. Like we're getting the ball up and down. We want to play fast. Like he's serious about that. He wants to see if he was if there's one stat he cared about, he was looking to see if we led the nation in and scoring and scoring. So because uh, he wanted to play fast. He wanted to get the ball out and go, 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 go. You always will see him moving his hands, doing that. And then when we got with Coach Self, so it was less plays. You know, we, we had our secondary break, and then after that, you know, we're kind of freelancing and playing. And then we have a couple box sets. That's it. <laughs> when Coach Self came, you know, it was, you know, he came from, you know, from Big, Big Ten play, slower basketball. So we're slowing things up. We got more. We probably had. Oh, we're not running this fast for sure. We're not running this fast. And then we're, um, we probably, probably had 15 set plays. So it was a, it was just a whole different dynamic, but 
they all equal to like as far as getting their players to buy in and trust in what they do. They they both they both meet they both meet at the top on that. As far as their philosophies and how they did things, one ran wanted to run run fast, one wanted to go go slow. Um, you know, that was kind of just their preference. But at the end of the day, when it came to getting their players to buy in, they did. Now I will say, Coach Self, he knows it. Coach Self, he did have a couple issues those first couple years with Roy's guys because you know that transition. Because literally. You know, I look back as a being a coach now. I look back at Coach Self, and I'm like, "Geez, man, this we we probably made it tougher to him than what we had to because we were obviously still sad and upset and frustrated and all these other mixed emotions because Coach Williams left. And we're like, man, now you're wanting us to come in and play your your literally. We're this is what our mindset. You're wanting us to play your way of basketball." And we just beat you the year before in the league. Hey, so like, why do we want to? If anything, you should be asked like this is the way we're like. If anything, you should be asking us how we did things, so you can adapt that way. And obviously, Coach Self's Coach Self, he didn't budge one bit. <laughs> he didn't budge one bit. And then eventually, over time, you know, we start, you know, we start seeing the the ins and outs of his uh, of his two game. Uh, the, you know, the high-low offense, we're like, okay, all right, we can see it. Now we kind of see some angles, how to score out of it. So they were night and day, man. And obviously, Coach Self's fast play started when, uh, in my opinion, it started. we started getting a little bit faster when Wayne Simeon got hurt in the uh, UMKC game when he dislocated his shoulder because it was he was a high-low look. We could throw it into Wayne. We know he was going to do the turnaround jumper, and it was money every night, 20 and 10. And he got hurt, so we didn't have guys that we could just throw it in and know that we, hey, somebody's going to get us twenty points just off a of, off a of jump hooks and turnaround jumpers. So that's when Coach Self and Dooley and Jankovic they they created uh, the, that ball screening option, that continuous yeah. ball screening option, and then that just kind of. And if you look at it now, man, they they do a lot of that ball screening, dribble handoff type motion, and that that all kind of that all not kind of it all started from from us and. They want to, if anything, you want to thank Hall of Famer Wayne again. I thank Wayne so much for you know, getting me to look at KU. I wouldn't have had to look without KU. And we probably wouldn't have had this office if it wasn't for Wayne getting hurt. So, I mean, you can thank Wayne for, for again, putting his mark on on uh, on KU uh, history. On the, on yeah, the maybe an underrated player in KU history, too, sometimes. Oh, 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 so, yeah. as I said, you, you enjoy three more years in the program. And – Real credit to you, man. You you earn more and more playing time as your career progresses. So you took that redshirt year. You took though that those that that redshirt freshman year. You took that sophomore year where you got a little bit of time here and there. You really took that, man, and you just kept earning more and more. And, and as you move in, you back a point guard role during your fourth year, and then you start twelve games as a fifth year senior in two thousand five, two thousand six. Uh, in that season, you guys get a Big Twelve regular season and tournament title. When you reflect on the five-year window of your life today, what did you most enjoy about being a part of the KU basketball uh, program? Uh, the tradition. Um, yeah, it's a, the the tradition, hands down. You know, once you once you get once you get to that school, you know, obviously you you know you come to that school, you see the fans and. You know, you see the sixteen thousand three, 
300 packed out. You know, you see him on ESPN. You see all these these positive things about him. But when you get there is when you start to understand the deep tradition and and why the fans are the way they are. Why why are they waiting and late night overnight? You know, camping out. Uh, waiting 24 hours in the cold. Like, why are they doing that? So you start understanding the, the 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 rich history and the tradition, and you just fall in love with that program. And um, yeah. and it just it, it's that tradition, man. That tradition is it's so deep. And obviously, you know, um, you know, we, we have the the Naismith rules uh, on the campus as well, too, right by the field house in the DeBruce Center. So. Um, it just what what I mean, the tradition with that is just that's what really draws you in once you get in there and fully has you committed to doing things the right way, trying to do things the right way. Yeah. And when you think about KU's tradition, um, Allen Fieldhouse, I think the fog is a big part of that. It's one of the most iconic arenas in college basketball. For those who've never been and I've, I've had the great fortune of stepping into the fog and know what it's like, never been there for a game, but been there. Um for those who've never been though for a game, paint a picture for them what the scene is like on game day, especially when you're playing in Oklahoma or a Mizzou or you know you're playing one of those big rivals. What is, what's that? What's that scene like? Uh, it's electrifying. Um, man, is it mean? I mean are the fans mean? <laughs> or are the, are the no, fans no. mean to the opposing teams? Are they comical? Uh, yeah, I would say they're not mean, uh, and not really. Then again, you were never the, probably, the source of their ire, I guess. Either. A, <laughs> I would say our fans are very respectful. I mean, you know, if a, if a a player is acting mean, they'll they'll boo every they'll boo you if you airball if you airball shot. They'll boo you for the whole entire game when you touch the ball. So if you if you shoot an airball early in the game and you're on the opposing team. Every time you touch the ball, they're gonna yell "air ball." I mean, like so. I mean, that's and that's the student section. The student section is wild. The student section is wild. They're, I mean, they're the ones that kind of get everybody going. But not only the student section, because a lot of the student section, everybody in the stands are former students that went there, or they're trying to recruit a grandkid, or and and it's just a it's just a, a, a crazy atmosphere. Every time I go there, for me and I've heard this from people that haven't even played. They're like, man, every time I go in there, I get goosebumps. Like, I mean, I mean, like, I could just start feeling like when I start, I could just start feeling some goosebumps now when I just get in this mindset of just like either when you run out the tunnel, it's a different feeling. It's a whole different feeling. But even just being in that environment and just seeing how much they love and that they care about basketball, the tradition there, the history. It's it's one of the best places to, to, to play in. It's one of the best. One of the it obviously is the loudest arena to play in. They broke the decimal a couple years back, I believe, too. So it's one of the loudest. Yeah. One of the uh, I would argue one of the coolest center courts too, man. You know the big Jayhawk yeah. there on center court is really really yeah. sweet. I mean it is massive. So let's uh, speaking of Kansas hoops, let's give a shout out to your podcast, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. I saw you started that last November um, with Coach Self as your debut guest, and you've had on uh, some notable guests like uh, Nick Collison, Danny Manning, some real KU greats. How did that adventure come about, and what have you enjoyed about that? Uh, yeah, you know, this is, you know, it's been a great adventure. Um, 
you know, it's kind of put me on the opposite end. Normally I've been, you know, kind of the interviewee where someone's interviewing me and I just kind of sit there and kind of can answer the questions. And, you know, it's, it's been on the, it's, it's kind of been a little bit of uh, not really a, a challenge, but just more of a shocking side. Just like, oh man, now I'm on, I'm on the other side asking these guys, calling up, hey, hey, can we get a pot in? What's up? When's your time? What time you got? So it, it, it's been a, it's been a fun blessing to do this. Um, I've always wanted to, you know, obviously, you know, go as far as I could, as far as, you know, I've had some uh, opportunities to, to analyze games, be a cutter, color analyst, as well as uh, um, do pregame, postgame shows. So I've, I've had a, a, a wide range of mix of things as far as uh, being an analyst for, for basketball. So kind of getting into the podcast game was just, uh, to me, it was a no-brainer. Kind of how it came about was uh, obviously with Jeff Goodman and Rob Dowser, they're the ones that are kind of heading that with the field of 68. You know, they just kind of reached out to a, to, um, a few coaches uh, at KU, and, you know, uh, for some reason they thought about me and and passed along my information to to those guys that reached out to me and wanted to see if I would be interested in, in running uh, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. <laughs> And uh, I said, yeah, I, I love to. So it's been a, it's been a fun adventure. Uh, like I said, it was a, a new adventure for me. But um, the more I do it, you know, the more I, I enjoy it. Cool, man. So in in addition to the podcast, you're coaching high school basketball now. Uh, Pembroke Hill in Kansas City, which, if I'm not mistaken, that actually produced the Rush Brothers, right? Pembroke, yeah, yeah. And so what? What do you enjoy? I got a two-parter for you. What do you enjoy about being on that side of the game now, the coaching versus the playing? And then two, are you more Roy Williams or are you more Roy, uh, Bill Self? Uh, you know, I think one of the things I, I appreciate about it is, like for me, um, it's like when you get a win, when you see a big play, like for me, you know, I used to like experience it as a player, like selfishly, like, yeah, jumping up and down, high-fiving your teammates, but – when you're as a as a coach, man, it it's rewarding because you just get to you get to see other guys kind of enjoy that success. It, it, to me, it's almost like, man, I've kind of been that player. I've been out there. I just want to kind of give back. You know, one of the things I want to do is give back to the game. I want to try to help the game, do my part, and make it as uh, do my part and make the game a better better than what I. When I got when I got the game, I received it. You know, I was taught well. I want to be able to 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 bring on as many players as long as I can as well too, and give them that same experience that I had with the game. So to me, it's very is a it's a very humbling and a very it's a position that it, I feel like when you're a coach, it's a blessing to be a coach because you are you have kids that obviously have passions they want to get better, but they're looking at you to help guide them in the right direction and. You know, you can guide them in the wrong direction or the right direction. You can say the wrong thing or the right thing uh, to these kids. And, you know, to me, it's the the thought process of, you know, really thinking about it to really make sure that you can try to give these kids the best advice moving forward to make them successful in life. To me, that's why I love coaching. And obviously, uh, when I can coach my own sport, um, something that I love so much, and uh, I've, I've been blessed to have good kids, a part of the program, and that makes it always better as well, too. So I just love giving back, man, and trying to make the game uh, better than when I found it and when I first learned how to play basketball. 
All right, man. But you got to ask me, are, are, are you more Roy Williams or Bill Self? Yeah, I forgot. I got to rambling on that question. I forgot that part. Uh, <laughs> coaching style-wise, I'd probably say uh, it's a mixture between both. And, uh, you know, I, I do use a lot of what I've learned from Coach Williams and Coach uh, Self. And a lot of my – whether it's a saying that I might learn from Coach to Coach uh, Coach Williams or Self or a set that we ran or uh, – you know, how he used to – what he used to talk about when, you know, stats in the locker room. What was he big on? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll pull from I'll pull from both of those guys. And not only – I try not to just pull from those guys, too. I've been blessed. Uh, I've been coached – I've been coached by some really special guys. I mean, even Randy Springs, my high school coach, you know, he won three state championships at three different schools, Sumner Academy, uh, Highland Park, and Wyandotte. So, you know, I've been, I've been around great coaches – my whole life. And again, with Lafayette Norwood, who sat on the bench with, you know, Lafayette Norwood had the, the undefeated season with Wichita Heights. So, I mean, I've been blessed to be around so many coaches to where I can kind of pick and pull from all these, these to me, Hall of Fame coaches that I've been been coached by. So um, it's hard for me to say which one I, I am. I pick and I kind of just, I pick, I pick and choose from from uh, from both of those guys a lot. <laughs> yeah. So the mic you know, myself. You never thought you'd see the day where you had a bunch of sets you were calling out and didn't let a free flowing game happen. You would the, you would kill the twenty one year old Jeff Hawkins if you wanted to, to listen to a bunch of sets. Yeah. Um, so what are some of the uh, a final question before we get to some rapid fire, man? What are some? I'm I'm really curious about this as a guy who. You know, what are the, some of the biggest changes you've seen in the game, specifically the high school level, since you were playing high school hoops to two decades ago? I mean, I watch a game now and I'm thinking like, my God, everyone's shooting threes. Ooh. Teams are playing zone. Ooh. Like when I was growing up and we're about this, I'm a little older than you, but it was like when yeah. a team played zone, it was like they were being wusses. Now everyone's playing zone in these exotic zones. And it's, it's really, so what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in the game? I mean, you 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 said it. Everybody wants to go zone now. That's that's kind of the, the the easy thing to do. Let's just let's just drop in the zone. Um, to me, I think that um, the game has gotten a little bit less physical. Um, and again, but I I heard that when you know I was growing up, and I thought the game was physical when I played in high school. I would hear the old heads are. Uh, you know, that, that played probably 10 years before me that would be coming to watch our games, you know, saying the same thing. Oh, man, man, them refs are soft, man. They be calling everything. So, and, and we thought it was tough. So that's kind of always how the, the, the game evolves. But to me, it's it's the zone. It's the zone. And um, zone just, to me, it, it just, it never sets good with me. It never, it never so- does. Let me ask you this, man. You, you as a player, you hung your head on defense, right? Yeah. And as someone who hung his head on defense, I would imagine you love the idea of like, hey, man, me against you, I'm going to stop you man to man. And I got to yeah. imagine like you're, you're internally, it hurts you to have to play zone like you probably do sometimes maybe. Oh, yeah. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I mean, you think about it. Zone is, I mean, zone, you're guarding an area. You know, you're guarding the area in zone and man to man, you're, you're all right. You got to, I got to lock up. And again, you can say in zone, okay, we're, we're practicing help defense, but you're, you're pretty much predicated to, you have one spot that you need to control. When you're a man, 
I got to lock you down and you can't score. That is tougher to me than than just guarding an area. Now, obviously, when you guard that area, you have to guard your, that area effectively. You can't just let your man drive around you. You can have a, a strong mindset from a man, man-to-man principle uh, mindset. But to me, it's just it's, – it's harder to play, man. It's harder because it's harder to predict, you know, where your man's going to cut, what type of help you have to be in. Are you one pass away? Or are you two passes away? In zone, you just pretty much kind of know. I mean, throw the ball. Okay, I'm probably I'm, – I'm almost in help every time. So uh, I just think man-to-man, is, is, it is. It's easier. It, it is, it's, it's harder to teach. Uh, but I think if you teach it the right way and you can get your teams to understand – all the man principles, you'll you'll always be a better team at the end. But don't get me wrong. Uh, do I think there are times where you need to go zone? Yeah. I don't think everybody should just do one thing at the same time. You should still know how to mix it up. And if I mean, if you have a team that they can't shoot and they're just drivers and they can break you down, I mean, obviously, I think the smart thing to do is maybe try zone. Or if you don't like do zone, at least do pack line D. Pack everything in man to man. Like I would. That that's normally my mindset. If I if we can't guard, we're gonna at least pack it in man to man. And if we're not guarding it with a packed in man to man, now I'm upset and I'm annoyed with my players. Like now we gotta go zone. Thanks, you guys. You can't guard anybody. Hope this is what you want. So if we're in zone, that's why I make my players feel like we're only in a zone because you guys can't guard man to man. <laughs> but that's the way that I mean. I think that's the it's, most. It's one of the biggest. Yeah, it's a change. It's one of the big ones. But it's happening it's all over. It's one of the biggest changes I've seen in the games, man. Yeah. You know, no. I'm in Chicago, man. I mean, it's yeah. I'm a Chicago hoops guy, and I'll go to a high school game. Unfortunately, not this year. but And I'd be like, oh, my God, they're playing zone. And yeah. it just it doesn't yeah. happen like the Chicago Catholic League. It, it, like, yeah. these are man-to-man, line up and throw yeah. the ball up. Let's go. Yeah. And it's like, what is going on I can't here? teach so it's, I can't. It's really unique. So I appreciate I mean, I your take care. on it. And, Jeff, I don't yeah. want to take up – <laughs> Too much more of your time, man. But before we get out of here, let's close out the show with some cool okay. kind of run and gun questions. So take take the fog off the table. What is the coolest arena you played in over your five years at KU? Uh, probably Rupp Arena. Rupp Arena. Cool. Against against UK or was that for a tournament? I mean, the, to me, I thought the, the atmosphere was uh, – it was at UK. Just, just – just, uh, I think we had – we had worked out like a, a home and away or some type of deal. We start working out with them because we went down yeah. to them. Um, and then the next year they came to us um, and we beat them both of those times. Yeah. Um, there you go. But you. KU over UK. You say what? I said KU over UK. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Rupp arena, man. It's it's I've had some great, I've had some great stories about Rupp arena. Cause that's the site of the 1985 national championship game where Villanova beat Georgetown. And um, so those guys from Villanova have very warm memories of uh, Rupp Arena. Um, All right, man. Craziest opposing fans. Oh, uh, that's hands down Missouri. But you (laughs) can to say, I mean, okay, you should expect it from Missouri KU. They hate each other. It's a rival. I mean, that thing is, yeah. I mean, that stuff goes back to – it dates back to some history about, you know, Missouri and Kansas. But you would think Missouri is all the way, like Missouri is the top. But then right below it, like literally like right below it is K-State. And you would think K-State will maybe be a little bit right here. We're in state. No, K-State. Man, 
like Missouri, they just, you know, they would just harass you, call you at, you know, find out, you know, that they, they'd have your mom's number on your mom's cell phone number on a poster board. You know, they might, they might say, I mean, they're going to call your, they're going to find your number. They're going to call you at three in the morning. Just keep calling. They showed up to where, right. I mean, they knew exactly where they knew our itinerary. They knew everything. Like they just, they just stopped you that way. But then K-State would, they would let off the freaking chickens when we were like, literally they let off live chickens. Like before the game starts, like right bar, right bar bench. And I never understood that the live chickens and then their fans were so blue, man. Like still to this day, like for real, man, annoys me. They would be throwing, they'd be throwing coins on, like they'd be throwing coins at us. Like I, I got here with a couple quarters, a couple players got here with nickels. Like, I really did not like – I couldn't stand Missouri because they just hated us and they might say something nasty to us. But they weren't, like, throwing really – they weren't eh, – they, they threw stuff at us sometimes. But it was consistent. Every time I, knew I went to K-State, I knew I was getting something thrown at me. <laughs> Missouri, I knew I was going to get a wake-up call at 4 in the morning saying, hey, it's time to go to class or something like – something crazy. They're just going to – yeah. They're going to find a way. The Antlers. The Antlers were Missouri. They have the Antlers. Gotcha. What was, uh, you know, you talked about Missouri, you talked about K-State. What was the team you most enjoyed beating? Uh, team I most enjoyed beating? Probably would be K-State and Missouri. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun to take it to them, right? Oh, yeah, was I mean, the team? Because you know how much they hated you, man. So you just had to be like, yeah. Yes, we want to beat you so good. bad, especially at your place. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, and what was the team you least enjoyed playing? So I'm thinking about a team here. Maybe they played, they were really physical, or a team that played such a unique style. Mm-hmm. It was a team that you played, and maybe you were just like, man, these guys are just, they're hard to beat, man. You know, like I, I've asked this question to Big Ten guys, mm-hmm. and I always hear, um, Wisconsin, but then I always hear Northwestern, which is strange. Uh, but wow. they say like, you know, with Man, Northwestern, it's I, just tell you, they play such a different style than anyone else that it was just hard to kind of know yeah. what you were going up against, even though they weren't as talented as some of the other teams. So what team did you guys find was kind of like, man, these guys are just tough to play? I mean, that's a good question. And – I mean, it's like I got two answers. I got a soft answer and I got a hard answer. My hard answer is, I mean, it's really no no team really because like we we know going to KU like we're getting everybody's best shot. So like if we come in like man, we don't want to play this team, then we look at it like why you sign up to play here then? Like you should be wanting to play the best of the best and like even if it was like we got them stacked up, the best of the best of the best the whole season. Like that's why you came here. You came here. Because the, the fans, I mean, the stands are going to be packed. You came here because ESPN, CBS, ABC, getting those primetime games to where your friends can watch you on TV. So, like, that's that mindset. But that's why I said that's more my hard answer. Like, yeah, man, that was our mindset. Like, really wasn't anybody. But if I had to think, like, of a team like we really didn't, like, I didn't, like, really didn't like playing, I would say for me it was probably, like, Texas. 
like, and it was like the Texas days were like with TJ with TJ Ford, James Thomas, uh, man, Kevin Book, uh, was it Kevin Booker, uh, Kevin Bookout? I mean, man, those dudes were. I mean, that, that's when when Texas was rolling, man. Like, man, we didn't like playing those guys because you knew it was gonna. Even when they came to our place, you knew it was gonna be a good game, and you knew when you went to their place, like they were gonna they were gonna bring it. But I would say Texas, man, and that that was kind of throughout my whole career. Like Texas was always like a tough game, a tough game for us, at least at their place. Our place, we kind of obviously you kind of know how the record is in in the, the field house. We kind of have that really that yeah. six, six man. But I would say Texas, it would probably be Texas. Maybe a Oklahoma State. No matter what your Oklahoma State had, yeah. oh, it was always tough to play there. Always tough to play there. Even when and then when Coach Self got there, it was even more hard to play because now Coach Self has this added pressure of I got to win at the school that I played at, and then we're feeling it from him. So Oklahoma State's kind of up there too. I know for Coach and the Coach Self. Yeah, so. That's awesome, Jeff. Well, hey, man, let's end it there and let you get down with the night, man. And so appreciate you joining us here on the 199 podcast. Thanks, of course, to Jeff Hawkins, the Jayhawk, for joining us here and discussing his time, discussing KU hoops. And thanks to you, our listeners, for tuning in. Visit 199.com for some of the flyest college basketball gear around and subscribe to our podcast for more shows celebrating basketball history and culture. Until next time, this is the Chucker signing off. Thank you for listening to the 19.9 podcast with HVS, the high volume shooters. For more information, check out the blog at 19.9.com under HVS. And while you're there, do yourself a favor and pick up some retro college shorts. Till next time. <laughs>